Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, where I'm going to talk about parking my car next to the boss. Since we're going to mask our natural accents and try to fake some other kind of accent. Uh, Brian Kelly's southern accent, Ari Wasserman, is the worst since. Was he like, was he like, was that, was that on purpose? Or was he like trying to fit in and didn't think anyone would notice? I believe they call that code code switching where you're you try to talk like the people you're around and i believe he tried to pronounce tigers the way ed orgeron did the way the good lord intended tigers tigers but brian kelly's not built to 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 say tigers i don't know if you know this about me but my mother's israeli so my mom is from israel and my dad is from America. So mm-hmm. my mom has a very thick accent, even though she's been here for more than 30 years. And it remains. And when she's around her family, who still live in Israel, my father's name is Bob. She calls mm-hmm. him Bob. Like Bob. she goes back like into Israeli accent mode when she's around her family. So is that what we're talking about here? It I think that's be, code uh, well, switching. I mean, so my original accent when I was a kid growing up in Columbia, South Carolina, sounded something like this. This is I sounded like this. We're going to go up the road. We're fixing to do this, that sort of thing. And then I moved to the Keys when I was seven, and the kids all made fun of me, so I stopped talking like that. And now I sound like I'm from nowhere. But if I'm in the Carolinas or in Georgia or Alabama for more than three, four days, it starts to come out. But I, but Brian Kelly's not from any of those places. I don't know if he's trying to fit in or if he just got it got caught in his throat because he's heard Ed Orgeron say it so many times and he's like, well, maybe I need to say it like he said it. I don't know. But this is, we are, we are going to preview the conference championship games, but Ari hasn't had a chance to fire off any takes about all the, these coaching changes. He wants to do that. And and I got I got accent takes because I mean that is a bad 
bad is it? I don't know. I'm assuming he's attempting a Cajun accent, which is different than the Southern accent, obviously. Here's but, the thing, too, and I'm just going to say it. This is podcasting. We can just talk and feel like we're this is the safe space, right? Yeah, it's a safe space. Ed Orgeron is an extremely likable human being, regardless of what you think about him as a football coach, which I do think that he won a national championship, so he's not the worst coach on the face of the earth. He's right. a very likable person, I think. Like a, a random mm-hmm. fan who isn't a fan of LSU or isn't even a fan of the SEC, I think in my experience would tend to like him. Would you agree with that? Uh, if you made a cartoon where Ed Orgeron was the main character, talking like he talks, looking like he looks, acting like he acts, it would be an extremely popular cartoon. He'd probably be able to sell a lot of cereal. As a as a serial mascot as well as a cartoon, and I know that a lot like of that is accent he's a, based. He's a human cartoon character, and I say that with absolute affection. But I, it's gotten to the point too where the the affection that you say it with is met with people don't didn't like to see him lose the way they would like to see Bama lose, or and like and he was the the head coach of an LSU program that was hated by a lot of people. I think that people liked him more than they hated LSU. You can agree to that. disagree with that. I think that's true. Now, I think you're right about that. The reason why I bring that up is because Brian Kelly is a very unlikable coach. And I'm not Correct. saying that, you know, I like him or dislike him. I've never met the man. But based on his temperament and the fact that none of his coaching assistants wanted to join him at LSU and some of the stories that you hear about the man. Also, by the way, what happened to, to Nick Saban when he went to LSU? Nobody yeah. came from Michigan State. Yeah, maybe people just don't want to have an easy time recruiting. I mean, I don't know. But uh, the fact that he did that makes it harder to swallow because I just don't think people like him very much. Well, I would agree with that. I, I think he would tell you that. I think he would agree with that. I don't think he was trying to do that accent, but man, it it that that video is unfortunate. Mike Bunt, by the way, you can thank him for that video. He's he's the one who put that out into the world. Uh, all right, let's let's listen to a few of the worst Southern accents in movie history and see where where this stacks up. Uh, Nick Cage and Con Air supposed to be from Alabama. What you looking at, punk? Nothing. I was just admiring your cage. But one wrong flight, stewardess. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like Nick Cage from Alabama. He ain't from Demopolis. He ain't from Mobile. He ain't from Selma, where my mom grew up. He's he, he not from any of those places. Ari's dead. Ari's lost. Oh, I thought you were going to play another clip. But yeah, no, okay. Well, I'm going to play another clip. But oh, we, okay. We, I thought we were doing Cage. it in succession. I was not lost. Sorry. I was I was waiting for the next show. Uh, yeah, well, that wasn't uh, very ready? good. Okay, well, I'll, yeah. give you, I'll give you the next one. The Devil's Advocate. Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino. Spoiler alert, Al Pacino's the devil. It can't spoil it because it's over 20 years old. Filmed in Gainesville, Florida, which is like 30 miles from Ocala, Florida. So Al Pacino spent like at least, I don't know how many days he spent on set, but I would think at least two weeks in Gainesville, 30 miles from Ocala, and nobody bothered to tell him that Ocala is pronounced Ocala because he pronounced it Ocala in the movie. But he's Al Pacino. His accent in the movie was Al Pacino. Keanu tried. Keanu tried to pull off the ACR, the Alachua County resident. It did not go well. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, 
I know you've spent all morning listening to Mr. Broigo talk. I know you're hungry. What I need to tell you won't take very long at all. I don't like Alexander Cohen. He's supposed to sound like the people who live five miles west of me. Five miles west of me, it gets real feed store real fast. You don't say like with a long I. Like is lack. Like. You would spell it L-A-C-K, probably. Lack. Like. It's, it's not like. You don't do that. Yeah, that uh, you're the much bigger expert on southern accents than I am. So let's keep riding. That's Lack. that's that's what we got, Ari. That's the, that this, those those are the ones I, I think are. Well, you're not going to play back Farmer to, Fran from Waterboy, or is that not is that just not an accent at all? <laughs> <laughs> Farmer Fran's accent was actually pretty close to the real thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Farmer that's Fran's Farmer Fran's was a lot closer to that accent that he was trying to hit than Keanu's was to the one that he was trying to hit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's offensive to people from Louisiana. It is just very funny. In, in fact, now that I think about it, going back to Nick Cage, his accent in Raising Arizona was a better Southern accent than the guy who was supposed to be from Alabama. So high in, in Raising Arizona had a halfway decent Southern accent. You know, when even you, though I, he's I wasn't, from Arizona. I wasn't anywhere. I'm nowhere near from the South and I've spent just, you know, my time on trips through there. But like when you get outside of a Columbus, Ohio, where I used to live, you get some pretty crazy accents. I I remember when I first moved to Columbus from Phoenix and I don't know what I was doing, but I was in a gas station and I was outside of Columbus, like on a recruiting story, like 20 miles South or something. And I went into a gas station and I asked the person who was working at the gas station, do you guys have any Arizona iced tea? Which, as you know by now about me, is my favorite iced tea. And the man looked at me and he goes, son. You, you are a human cartoon character, Ari. Yeah, I mean, I like Arizona iced Ari, tea. There's nothing Ari weird about the, that. Bu- the bumpkin from Arizona coming up to, to ask everybody where their Arizona iced tea is. <laughs> where I'm from and me liking Arizona iced tea is no connection. If it was called Toledo iced tea, I would ask, I would like it. I believe Arizona iced tea is 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 manufactured by something called like Voltaggio and Sons. It does not sound like a an Arizona based company, but yeah, maybe. I like the name of it. But I said, "Sir, do you know where the Arizona iced tea is?" And the guy looked at me, and I'm going to butcher this accent because I'm not very good at impressions. But he goes, "Son, you ain't going to find anything like that out here in the great state of Ohio." Ohio, Ohio, is that like is that like and that was call just it like. Missouri? And, and he said, oh, hi. And I was like, holy crap, what am I doing here? Like, because I was still new to the area. Like, I was still Phoenix well, boy. I, I was just like, and thank God that's not what Columbus is like. But it, that was like my first week there. Southerners think they have the market cornered on rural. But I've noticed traveling around the country. No, there's plenty of rural that, in the Midwest and on the East that, Coast. That rural is rural wherever you are. You ever R- been on the Pennsylvania Turnpike? But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pennsylvania, you can find a lot of rural. Oregon, you can find a lot of rural. It's it's all out there somewhere. So don't don't think you gotta be in Mississippi to get rural. We'll be right back after these words. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Ari, we've not talked on the podcast. You and I have talked off air a little bit, but we've not really talked about some of this very earth shattering news that has happened here in the last week. And I've been thinking about this Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley thing quite a bit. And they've obviously been villainized for, for taking these new jobs. But I, I want to I ask people to, and, and you can villainize them if you want. And if you're an Oklahoma fan or Notre Dame fan, I completely understand. But I want to ask people to put themselves, just imagine it's their job. Imagine that somebody comes along and offers you more money to do the same job, and, and your company might match, which is nice, but if you go to the other place, you might have an easier time reaching your ultimate goal, and you're making quite a bit more money than you're making now. So who would turn that down under most circumstances, Ari? It's the Rudy factor. That's what I call this. It's the... Fans looking at football through the eyes of Rudy, Rudiger, like their coach is supposed to love their program the way that they do as much as they do, yeah. you know, and it's just like, it's not a rational thing. Now, I think, first of all, the way that some of these went down, it just, you would think that, uh, they might've handled it more smoothly. I don't know if there's a great way to handle it. You know, I don't and it's a good way to handle any of it in the age of the early signing period. Cause it's gotta be so bang, bang. You know, yeah, you've got, like, got to move so fast. And I don't know, maybe the NCAA could like create a rule, and this would be super weird, but you could coach a team through the playoff if that if this were to happen in another sense, but also recruit for the other team. You know, or like a way to like make it so the transition's easier and whoever the new coach is at the new program can begin recruiting for the other team or the team that's currently being coached. Like I don't know what the like the handle this is like because if Notre Dame does, ha- I don't think they're going to make the playoff, and I don't think they're good enough to win a national title. But if they were to make the playoff this year, it does seem like making the playoff is such a hard thing to do. It would be almost insane to not take that opportunity to do it. And like, I don't know what happened behind the scenes with Marcus Freeman and, and Luke Fickle, and whether or not like Luke was the type of person that was just like, I'm not leaving my team until the fr- and then the time had something to do with the hire that they made. But it is just an odd circumstance. And Brian Kelly just doesn't really seem like a soft, compassionate person. So it makes it even worse. Now, I think that, you know. Well, and he's, I, he's done this before. He did it to Cincinnati. Yeah. And well, but do people care? Like, I, I saw a lot of outrage about, like, well, he spent five or 10, 12 minutes in there. Like, what, what do people want? Like, an hour long discussion? To, yeah, like, QA? No, I mean, it, 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 if you want to answer questions from players, that probably would be nice. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind that. I, if if you want to let him yell at you, let him yell at you. Yeah, you, you can go rest on a pile of money afterward. I mean, it's funny it, because they're recruits gonna, they're going to private jet you back to to Baton Rouge, and and everybody will be nice to you there. So let it, let everybody get their get their feelings out. Yeah, the um, 
Yeah, it's just like an it's an unwinnable situation, but it's also understandable because I understand completely why both of these coaches took their jobs. Like I, I yes. think that both of them were no brainers, and that might be offensive to some people because they both left really really good jobs. But I think USC with the right coach is a more attractive job than Oklahoma, and I think that LSU is a more attractive job if your goal is to win a national championship. And like I was listening oh. to your podcasts all week with fear of missing out up to my neck like it was like a, <laughs> an ulcer coming up and it's just like i want to bang these things out because it's just like brian kelly has clearly got notre dame to maybe the cusp of their peak as a program right and he would resent the idea their, their that, peak their peak in 2021 not because i mean obviously they were the best program in college football for a, a significant well, things change do you think that notre dame's actual right. ceiling as a program now is bama because i don't know I don't either. So I think I think that they're on the cusp, if not at their peak as a program. And Brian Kelly would resent any insinuation at any playoff uh, media availability that his teams lacked the talent to beat a team like Alabama. But in my opinion, this move his actions tell you that that's insinuate what he that he believes that. Yeah, this is because like, why else are people going to say, well, there was a rumor that he was going to make 15 mil a year. That's not happening. We don't know exactly how much he was making at Notre Dame, but maybe he just wanted to go to a place that could build Notre, a roster. Notre Dame, I, yeah, Notre Dame would have paid him very similarly. I, I don't think this was a move about money. I think this is a move about, I want to be able to build a roster that resembles the 2019 LSU roster. And I could never do this in a million years at Notre Dame because of the geography, yep. the academic limitations, the fact that we're not in a conference, all these different things played into a part. And yes, I understand that it's harder to make uh, a national championship run in the sec because the regular season games are harder. Everybody knows that, but in a world of an expanded playoff and a fact that, and I had this stat in one of my stories, uh, the Notre Dame recruiting class in 2022 was a top five class currently. Two top 100 players. In the same exact class, there are seven top 100 players in the state of Louisiana, all of which are either crystal balled or, or were going or are going to LSU before all this coaching stuff happened. Like you are automatically in the top 10 at LSU if you're even remotely good at recruiting. So to me, you did everything you can. You made Notre Dame what you were. Was it the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history now? Like, yeah. you know, maybe that'll get broken one day, but what what are you going to do? Keep keep banging your head against the wall, or do you actually want to break through and win a national title and get paid more and try something new and live somewhere new? It makes Meanwhile, sense to me. Lincoln Riley can say all he wants that he was fine with moving to the SEC, but his actions suggest he wasn't. Well, what would you do? I See, but I, I'm the one who thinks Oklahoma will actually be able to build the roster it needs once it is in the sec. Cause I I'm think, not saying I think that Oklahoma th won't be able to build their roster. When Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, he was putting together a 2023 class that was going to potentially win the recruiting crown. Of course. See, I know see, Ari, Ari, you're different. You're different than me though. Like you'd rather live in LA than Norman, Oklahoma. I would rather live in Nor Norman, Oklahoma than LA, but that's not what it, it's not even about where I'd rather live. Of course, beaches in Laguna are nice, I, but that's not what that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is I agree with you that Oklahoma is not Notre Dame. Oklahoma has the goods and the ability to recruit Alabama like classes if they get the right person in. And Lincoln Riley, whether you like him or not, had us building or was building a 2023 class at Oklahoma that already had four top 100 players or five top 100 players, including 
three five-star prospects from the state of California. So he was doing it already. But what would you rather do? Go to would go to LSU, I mean, sorry, uh, USC, and get 12 top 100 players without trying, live in the sunshine, be in a conference that you're going to completely dominate and make the playoff and try to be the coolest team in the West Coast? Or would you rather go with Oklahoma to the SEC and have to try 100 times harder to achieve the same amount of things that you can achieve at USC while also making a boatload more money in a city that is awesome to be rich in? Like, like what would you rather do? Just do extra steps because it feels good and you like you're a glutton for punishment? Like, here's the thing. And I don't know like if you're with me on this, but I'm like, can you tell I missed being on this podcast with you? I can tell, and, and this is why I'm just letting you have the floor. But the other thing, too, is, like, what what's... Everybody likes to talk and to fantasize about what it would be like if Urban Meyer actually went to USC, right? Because you're trying to think of what it would be like if a rock star coach with a history of winning and a reputation that would get people to flock to him at his program would do. And it was never going to happen, but it was fun to fantasize about because in my opinion, if Urban Meyer would have gone to SC, they would have been in the playoff at least three years or less. Name another hire within reason that USC could have made that would have even come close to matching the same Urban Meyer-ness that Lincoln Riley brings to the table. Because to me, I think that maybe Nick Saban... Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. No. No? No. Wow. Okay. I don't think it's even close. Ryan... No, no. Listen. Lincoln Riley is young. He's handsome. He wears a visor. He coached Heisman Trophy winners. He's gone. You're laughing at me like that's not a trend in coaching. That go look at uh, Coach Handsome's in the NFL now, all, all over the place. And hey, listen, I, there's only one coach who wore a visor in my mind. Yeah, so. I know, I know. Who is that, Andy? <laughs> you know what I mean. But he's got the California Cool Peace Sign thing up. But also, he has the testimony of running that a would program. Be the fight on. It has yeah. nothing to do. With, it has, it has to do with fighting, not with I know, peace. I know. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I like doing the piece. Also, just as a rant on the side, there's nothing cooler in all of sports than when a speedster breaks away from the defense and waltzes into the end zone with the peace sign up. Just quietly, no celebration, just peace. Um, but he has Heisman Trophy winners, Andy. Three of them. That he does. He's been to the playoffs. So not only does he bring like that offensive guru genius that everybody in LA is going to want to play for, it's not just all reputation. It's not all personality. It's also like testimony of success. And also the way that he left Oklahoma makes him kind of the bad guy a little bit. And in LA, that's a sexy thing to have. I don't think Brian Kelly comes close to sniffing his farts when it comes to who would be more impactful from like a meteor standpoint landing in LA. I don't think there's anybody so, in college football outside of Nick Saban. That so Lincoln, Lincoln Riley is your sexy basic cable anti-hero is what you're trying to say. I don't think that there's another he's, coach in he's college like, football. He's like a hot Walter White, except he's coaching football instead of cooking meth. I don't think there's another coach in college football outside of Nick Saban that could have this much of an impact in recruiting the way he will immediately and, and, and into the foreseeable future. I think that Lincoln Riley, you know how we talk about the cool kids table? I think Lincoln yeah. Riley put Oak at USC at, at that table in five minutes. The second that that so he guy made fe- he, he he made fetch happen. He, there's no other coach in college football, in my opinion, that that could have done what he did, just based on who he is and his reputation and where he was. The offensive guru. I mean, I, I don't think Ryan Day could. I don't think anybody else could. 
especially in a place like Southern California that's known for five-star quarterbacks. And two, 48 hours after he did it, he's got the number two player in the entire country in 2023 behind only Arch Manning committed. Like, it's it's going to be, they're going to have more talent. I mean, like if I were Mario Cristobal, I would leave the Pac-12. Mario Am I overstating it? Of Lincoln Riley. Mario Cristobal ain't scared. I'm of not saying Riley. scared, but and Oregon way, was had a until had Lincoln a fast Riley proves that he can he can recruit the big guys who are good. Because guess who can Mario Cristobal? Yeah, no, I know offensive line and you defensive can, you line. You can recruit all those really pretty, flashy, fast skill guys. Do you know how useful they are if you can't block or tackle? Yeah, I know. I mean, the 2018 Oklahoma offensive line that, that that played in front of Kyler Murray, still trying to block Quinn Williams. Um, still trying. Didn't Oklahoma have a pretty solid offensive line the last few years, though? Did they? Did, did it look pretty solid when it played LSU? Also, there's a million players that are closer now that are just going to go there. Like, if Ernest Green had another two weeks of Lincoln Riley existing, he probably would end up at USC top 100 offensive linemen that didn't even consider them, and he lived in L.A. now. Like, okay. I think that they'll well, get their guys. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see him build lines of scrimmage that can play with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU. I want to see it. I think that he won't only be able to get the best players in California. I think that USC became a national brand that can recruit Texas and can re- recruit Florida and Ohio. Like, I think well, that I mean, this could be the beginning of a juggernaut. I think this is the closest they've been since Pete Carroll. And somebody said, well, what about Lane Kiffin? You know, that Lane Kiffin was probably a little bit too immature for the job. But even this Lane Kiffin, he has the sexiness and the look and, you know, the name about it. But he doesn't have the testimony for results. Who's the sexiest coach? Since you... you, I didn't mean sexy, like physically sexy. But if you want to play it, I meant like sexy, like brand name. I, I'm curious. I just uh, you. Who do I think the sexiest? We're 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 not into labels here. But who's the sexiest? My coach? fiance has got a, has a crush on a few NFL coaches. Yeah, th- there's a bunch of like thirty something NFL coaches. Matt Lafleur like from Green Bay on the, on, could, on the elliptical machine could live in my house yeah. if he wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but who are the sexiest college coaches? Ari, let's let's do it. Random ranking. Do it. I'm sure. Okay, like actually handsome, we're doing right. No, however you would like to define sexy, you could define it as like which one would be like the best on a dating show, or which one is like the best sexy brand. Ari, however okay. you want to define the sexy brand sounds good. Let's do. Okay. Let's go at the end that. of the show. The we'll brand. go back and forth on who we thinks they're most handsome. Okay. Um, Sam Pittman, obviously. Sexiness in the sport right now. I might say number one, Lincoln Riley. Okay. Number two. No, number one's Nick Saban. Because that's that name is a meteor hitting the earth. You've seen him move in the commercial with Dion. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Two would be Lincoln Riley. Uh, Three would be Kirby Smart. Four would be. Is Dabo sexy? Yeah. Because when I think of sexy, I think of if you hired this coach at a new random place, the impact he would have right out of the gate without having to do anything. Where's so, Ryan Day fall on that list for you? Um, somewhere like in between five and ten, probably. 
How about Harbaugh and his, uh, his Lululemon cutoffs because he set them on fire? I think that he Harbaugh's got a lot probably, sexier about he did. five days ago, right? He did, yeah. He's been dieting. He looks good. Um, I Bill Landis made a really good point to me. Ryan Day is like one in four in his five biggest games as Ohio State's head coach now. So, like, I am pumping the brakes a little bit on, like, where things I are knew after. I squeeze this hot take out of you eventually. I knew it. What? No, you no, didn't no, even no. see me building my case for that. <laughs> oh, I'm, no. I mean, I would take Ryan Day in a heartbeat still. I think that he is one or two more weird seasons away from being in an uncomfortable position, though. Which is funny to think he just lost He's his lost first one Big Ten game. I know. <laughs> one. And they say SEC people are. Uh, or hard on Ohio coaches. State's Good an Lord. SEC program in the Big Ten. You know that. I know. You're right. Um, Ohio State. And like Clemson. everybody freaked out at the tweet that I made after the game about how there's going to be wholesale changes. I bet you Ohio, was Ohio State got 10 assistants. I bet you they'll have only three back next year. Watch. They're going to clear that whole they're going to clear that whole place out. You'll see. Well, if you if you change defensive coordinators, then then you probably open the door to changing most of the defensive staff. If, if you're changing offensive line coach, you know, that that type of loss. More than is half the right type now, of right loss there. that Ohio State cleans house over. You'll see. They demoted Kerry Combs after a, a week two, a week two uh, loss to Oregon, and that was a guy who helped Ohio State win a national championship and came back from the NFL to be the defensive coordinator. Lasted what twelve games? No, no, it was a pandemic year. Eight games before he lost yeah. his job. You'll see. Everybody was like, "Oh, this guy's an asshole." You know, Ohio State people are spoiled. It's like, no, nah, it's just the facts if you've paid attention to what the program has done for the last decade. So, but well, yeah, Ryan Day is out like, of the... T- that's what people said when I, I started saying right after the recruiting comment from Dan Mullen, this this could be it. And people yeah. are like, are you, are you crazy? Look at what look at his room. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is, this is how that goes downhill. Yeah, Sometimes I mean, you just know a pl- how a place works. I couldn't have run to my keyboard faster when I heard yeah. him say that. Yeah. So, sometimes you just know how a place works. Ari, we have games to preview. There are championship games. There are playoffs. Before we go, though, Andy, line. do you think I'm nuts about USC? Because you didn't really push back on anything I said. So if you think I'm crazy, I need you to tell me that I'm crazy. Like the fact that I think that USC is a top three in top three position in America, maybe or top four, or at least top five, no matter what playoff within three years. I don't think you're crazy. Again, I want to see a Lincoln Riley team that is dominant on both lines of scrimmage. I want to see that before I will then say, yes, Ari, they can do anything they want to do. I need to see that first. Because, you know, on this podcast and anybody who's listened to us now for the last year and a half knows that I've been an avid Texas truther. Is that the word? Yep. I am also a USC truther. Yes, you are. People didn't know that because I wasn't as outwardly excited about them because they had Clay Helton and there was nothing to talk about. But USC has the best possible hire they could have made. I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley is the best possible coach. Uh, or, or is going to be the best but, possible but for that program, for that program for in this situation, moment, they yes. couldn't have hired anybody better active or not. I think you can make the case that Lincoln Riley is 85 to 90% of what urban would have been if they hired him and he hasn't won a national championship yet. So I 
am 100,000% in on USC. I don't know what I'm going to think about them going into next year, but mark my words, I will do any bet you want. USC will be in the playoff by year three and possibly year two. Well, we have several years to come up with what the stakes for that bet will be, but I'm good with that. You can make big stakes. I think you're probably right that within two or three years, they should be. If they aren't, then this didn't work because that's why they did this. But I I think you're right about this. I I think that's entirely probable. And I think... Yeah, the conference sucks too. That helps. The issue that I keep talking about, can they get people better on the lines of scrimmage? I think they can. I think they can get the, the raw talent in they need, and I think they can develop it. So, and I don't even know who they're hiring for all of their assistant positions. I just know that there will be a lot of people who want to come work there, who, who want to get on the train, who feel, who feel the same way you do. There's a lot of people in the business who feel the same way you do. So we'll find out. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. But USC is not playing this weekend. They are. The two teams in the Pac-12. They are playing this weekend. The two, oh, that's right. They are playing this weekend. <laughs> USC is playing this weekend because Cal had to, pick to the postpone game? the game. That's right. <laughs> USC is playing this weekend, but not in a game that actually means anything. Yeah. Utah, Oregon. Utah, once again, favorite. This is a, Utah's a two and a half point favorite in this game. They were about a two and a half, three point favorite in the, in the first matchup. It's and the same thing, yeah. Demolished Oregon. Is Oregon actually going to show up this time? Is that the problem? You think Utah's just that much better? They kicked the crap. They Michigan Ohio State. They Michigan Ohio Stated them. Did I say that right? But they blew them off the ball. But that's what Oregon did to Ohio State. So they have that in them. Or maybe Ohio State's just soft. (laughs) That's possible. All all that goodwill you built up in Columbus with Landis and on that that four to six with A to B podcast that you guys do. You've you've just I'm a homer bro. Down the toilet I'm on the show today. Homer flushed it or down how the about, toilet. How about I react appropriately to the circumstances that are in front of me, which is they're a soft team that isn't very good and they don't deserve to be in the playoff. Michigan whacks that ass. Jim Harbaugh, I think, got back all of his credibility. I'm not going to be down his throat. I love the coaching staff. Love to see what they're going to do now in the Big Ten championship. And you know what? For all we know, Michigan might be playing in the national champ. They can't beat Georgia, but they might be playing in the in the national title game this year. Um, but this game so you, is is tricky, Andy, because it's I've said on the podcast, and everybody says that it's cliche. It's hard to beat the same team twice. Oregon went up to Salt Lake City the last time they played. Utah was wearing alternate uniforms with a battleship uh, on their helmet. They were honoring uh, student athletes who had been murdered. Like there was a lot of emotion in the building. It was packed. It was cold. Like all the things that could have been going into Utah's favor went into their in, into their favor that night. But Utah kicked the crap out of them. So the adjustments, it's just like, I guess maybe, and Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal said this. I thought it was interesting. Oregon has all the all the ability to adjust. Like what does Utah do in the film sessions? They just go, we'll do that again. You know, and the spread. Yeah. It's, it's like the spread is like begging you to take Utah because they already kicked the crap out of them. But it's just like, shouldn't what they did travel? Utah has three backs. Each who have gained more than, than 460 yards. 
The lowest average yards per carry of those three is 5.8. That's Tavion Thomas, who, who actually has run for the most yards. But TJ Pledger averages seven yards a carry. Micah Bernard averaged 5.9. These guys maul people. And then what, what is Utah's record if Cam Rising starts the entire season? Like, are we talking about them as a potential playoff team? I don't know. They lost to BYU and San Diego State early. Like, if they just had the loss to Oregon State sitting there. I mean, I think they would still have probably. We would be talking losses. about them making the playoff with a win here. Yeah, I mean, they've got a, their losses are weird, right? I mean, BYU, San Diego State, and Oregon State, all of which are pretty competent teams. So I don't oh, know. They're they're perfectly acceptable losses. Losses, yeah. But it's a case where they made a quarterback change early in the season that, that feels like it turned everything around. Yeah, I will admit something to you, and I'm going to be vulnerable with you and everybody listening. It is driving me absolutely bonkers up the wall insane that this playoff field is made up of a bunch of teams that are outside of the top 10 in the composite rankings. It's like, I am, I am going to be rooting for Alabama on Saturday, just so there's another team in the top five of the recruiting rankings or composite rankings in the playoff, because this is completely unacceptable to my thesis. Stars don't matter. It's all about, do you understand what's happening this year? This year is going to be the thing that people reference in seven years from now when they're still young and stars don't matter. All right, let me let me let me throw this out there. Do you know the average age of Oklahoma State's defense? Their starters? No, this is good. Tell me. So like I'm looking at the average now, but I I want to say it's over 22. Like they have some 23 year olds on their on their on their starting defense. They're very old. Like you'll never see another non BYU starting defense that old in college football. And I will tell you. That a grown-ass man, even if he was a three-star, I will take him almost any time over a five-star boy. An when do they 18, cross into man? Old, what's that? When do they cross over into being a man in your in your definition of that? 20, 21, 22. Like, a 21 or a 22-year-old physically is different than an 18 or 19. Now, there are some great 18. Like, Penny Sewell at 18... I'll take him against anybody. Yeah, but that's that what those, dude that's was who, just that's a freak. That's what five stars are, though. They're freaks. But but not all of them. Sometimes five stars need to be developed. And sometimes five stars go to practice and get their butts whipped by old guys on their team. And that's that's what I think is going on right now. Look at look at how old these good teams are. Well, because there has In to fact, be an explanation as to what's happening. Let's let's, let's move let's move on to the we can move on to the, the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma State, Baylor. Well, who do you have Oklahoma in the Pac-12? Uh, I'm going to take Utah. I, I mean, you can't just physically dominate a team like that and me think something drastically different is going to happen next time. I'm with you. So, all right. Oklahoma State, five-and-a-half-point favorite against Baylor. Uh, Baylor, very cagey about Bohannon's status for this game. If he can't play, I have very little hope for Baylor. I know Baylor's got a very good defense, but... Spencer Sanders has taken such good care of the ball this year. And I just, I, I don't know. I don't know there's much you can do if you don't have that dynamic threat at quarterback against this Oklahoma State defense. They are so solid. They're always in the right place. Uh, Jim Knowles' scheme is is not what everybody in the Big 12 is used to seeing. It's not the, the, the bring three, drop eight. It's a, 
confusing coverages. They like to mess with the quarterback's head. I, I just, I love watching this team play. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, the, the heart and soul of the defense. You know, he, he's an old guy. You know, you, you look back and, and, and you do his, his year by year. He, he's played in five different seasons, like played yeah. in five different seasons. And so I think that experience just carries them through. They're, they're, they're they are old. And, and I think that is really the answer to your question. The super seniors, the extra year of eligibility, it's the COVID, stuff. the fact that the, the right, the fact that teams are, and here's the other thing about that. The teams that typically recruit five-star players that, that, that have the top five type recruiting classes, they didn't have difference makers coming back. Their difference makers went to the NFL just like they always do as third-year players or fourth-year players. Some of these other teams had some difference makers who maybe they were going to get drafted last year, but it might have been in the seventh round. And they said, you know what? I want to take another shot. And oh, by yeah, the way, NIL is starting, seems, so maybe, maybe I can make some dough. It kind of seems like it came at the perfect intersection between Ohio State and Alabama losing a lot of their rosters from last year's national championship game. Um, and Clemson. And Clemson kind of rebounding a little bit. And then also a bunch of rosters who are much older and have guys that wouldn't be on the team anymore if it was a regular year last year. Because there has to be an explanation for it. Because it's like I'm looking. I don't like know how old Michigan is, but Michigan beat the crap out of Ohio state. And it's like, there's nothing about that. That makes sense. Other than one team is soft and prepared. Uh, and one team was hard and and prepared a lot harder. So like, you know, I don't know how it all, all maps out, but the fact of the matter is, is you've got a playoff now where there's only one team potentially that is built like a normal team needs to be built to win a national championship, which means that there's going to be a team like Cincinnati or Michigan or Oklahoma state or somebody else like that in the national championship for the first time in how many years since, Are since you, Oregon can, in 2014. Since you, you brought up Michigan, I'll ask you this. How many players who start on Michigan's offensive yeah. or defensive line by, by, by academic year are younger than a junior? I don't know. That's a good question. One. There's on both one sides so- of the ball? Sophomore at right guard. One. Interesting. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> I mean, that's it's not all the reason why. Like, Aiden Hutchinson might be the best player in, in the country. Like, he's, he should be a legitimate Heisman contender. He may be the number one pick in the draft. He may have overtaken Thibodeau as a potential number one pick in the draft. So, they've also got top-end talent. That helps quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, it's like part of me wonders too. It's just like, what does that game mean for the f- years to come? Like, I don't know. Does it mean everything or does it mean nothing? I, I think in terms of just giving Michigan hope, I think it, it, it does change things. I think it helps Harbaugh. You know, so when we did a live room the other night, one of the one of our, list, our readers asked about Harbaugh's recruiting this year. And I said, you know, it's been pretty hard for him to recruit. They cut his pay in half and... You know, you didn't know till really midway through the season that he's going to do a good enough job to keep the job. And so now they're kind of playing catch up because if I was a, a, a top end type recruit, 
I would have been a little leery of, well, are they going to still be there? Now you know they're still going to be there, but you've only known that for, what, six weeks? Yeah. So... I, I think that I think that they're they're gonna all of the indicators the leading indicators are gonna begin pointing up for them now they have to do this again I don't think they have to do it again next year but they got to do it again within the next couple of years to to keep it going that way yeah but I, I I do I do it get it gives them hope now here's the other thing we're on we're on to Michigan Iowa Michigan is a ten and a half point favorite against Iowa. This is the lowest over-under total of all the championship games at 43.5. I actually probably would take the under in this game, Ari. Me too. Because I, I, I think Michigan score is going to be like... Have, yeah, Michigan will have a more difficult time scoring on Iowa than it did Ohio State, but I have no idea how Iowa will score at all. Do you think that if I would have played that sentence you just said to you in September, you would have laughed at yourself? Not about the Iowa part. But about the Michigan part, Michigan yes, would have absolutely. a harder time scoring on Iowa than they did Ohio State. Just a weird year, man. Um, I agree with that. I think yeah. the final score is going to be like twenty-eight or twenty or thirty-one to seven. Like I don't know. I don't know how Iowa is going to score an offensive touchdown in this game. They better block a punt. That's all I got to say. <laughs> block a punt every week, so you know maybe they'll get a they'll get a starting field position at the seven yard line and get in on fourth and goal. But like it'll be. Uh, I think it, the only thing you have to consider is Michigan might be just emotionally depleted because of how that how, that is that is the one thing I, I I am considering Ari because they've not been in this position before they did there there is a they beat the the Soviet team and now they got to play Finland feel to this but the U S did beat Finland and win the gold in Lake Placid so it is doable it it's not always that you just exhaust it uh, you know I think back to uh, when Alabama had to play Texas in the national title game, Florida was the team that they had kind of been pushing toward all season. They finally beat them. And then that was the big question, actually, among Alabama coaches, that Saban's whole message during the prep for that national championship game was you didn't finish the season by beating Florida. You can only finish the season by beating Texas. And so I, I imagine that there's been a lot of that type of language in Michigan practice this week. And it wouldn't shock me at all if they show a miracle before the game. Yeah. I mean, if they, if Michigan somehow loses to Iowa, I feel like it was all for nothing. So just go get the job done, win the big 10. And listen, this is Michigan's best shot in the foreseeable future of winning a playoff game. Cause if they get matched up with Oklahoma state or they get matched up with, with Cincinnati, these are very winnable games for, Ari, for Michigan. I think if Alabama, well, I don't think they'd get matched up. They wouldn't get matched up with Alabama if Alabama beat Georgia. But if there were some kind of chaos and, and a two-loss Alabama got in or, you know, my, my weird scenario where Alabama loses in, in triple overtime on a call that everybody knows screwed them, and so they, they put them in the playoff to as a cons- – They still wouldn't be you know. three. <sighs> yeah, you're probably right. I, I, but what the, that's a long way of saying I think Michigan and Alabama would actually be a fun game this year. Yeah. I think that Michigan, when they play or if they play Georgia, won't score. Well, I I don't know that anybody. But I, there's a lot of teams that won't score against Georgia. No, I, I think know Michigan could score yeah. against Georgia. I, I I think I think Michigan is better on offense than you think. Yeah, well, uh, they're more let's put it this like way. Cade McNamara is a much more efficient quarterback than anybody gives. Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett need to need to talk. Like 
<laughs> They're very well, I wouldn't know about Cade McNamara. He wasn't put in a situation where he had to make a play in the Ohio State game. So it'd be very interesting to see what would happen if Georgia or when Georgia stopped Michigan from getting six yards of carry and made him do something. I mean, <laughs> right. At Michigan, didn't, the quarterback could have been me for all, you know, I mean, it was they ran down their throat. So you're not doing that against Georgia. So I just wonder if Michigan has the offensive firepower to score if you can shut down the running game. All right, we got a couple more championship games to talk about. We just about, broke down first, the national title game. We did not. Not yet. <laughs> All right, Ari. Let's talk about a game before we get to the, the, the big, big, big showdown in Atlanta. Let's talk about a game that could have historic consequences. Houston at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a 10.5-point favorite. I don't care if Cincinnati covers. They just got to win. I think they win, and they are in. It's great. I'm with you. I'm excited to watch the game. You know, it's always kind of nerve-wracking, I guess, if you would be a fan of one of these teams where you get down to the end and you're in a game that you should win, but you never know uh, what's going to happen until you get there. And it's like historic history. Well, I don't know why I just said that word. History is... is historic history? Historic history, history is on the line uh, to, on saturday and you know if cincinnati gets it done hats off to them because i feel like i mean what do you think if you came into the year you would have said was more impossible uh, michigan playing for a national championship or getting into the playoff after beating ohio state or cincinnati or a group of five team making the playoff because both are happening in the same year and it's pretty amazing group of five team making the playoffs i still would have said is more or less likely so Cincinnati, we know, has a great defense. They, they are number three in the country behind Georgia and Wisconsin in, in yards per play allowed one at, at 4.29. Houston is number nine in this category, Ari. They only allow 4.66 yards to carry. The, the, the number on this game is 53 and a half. There's a very good chance it's below that just because these two defenses are just slugging it out. And I think, you know, you expect that from a Luke Fickle team. I don't think a lot of people have watched Houston this year. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's Dana Holgerson team. It's going to look like that, that West Virginia team that took Oklahoma to the limit in, in 2018. No, no, no. That's not what this team is. This team shuts you down. Doug Belton. That was one DC's of the best games of all time job. that you just mentioned. I was there. It was incredible. I mean, was a face I'm melt. so jealous that you got to see that in real life. Oh, it was, it was awesome. I believe uh, there may have been in some Tudor's Biscuit World. Talk dirty somewhere, to me, dude. Somewhere in <laughs> it was it was it was outstanding, but this is this is going to be a, a defensive struggle, and really it, it kind of comes down Des Ritter, Clayton Tune, who can make a play. I'm probably going to say Des Ritter. I, I'm probably like I, I'm going to lean that way because he's been doing it for quite some time. Yeah, I mean you have no choice but to lean that way. You know, I mean, Cincinnati is in a position right now where they're being viewed as one of the four best teams in college football this year. You know, and I don't know why anybody would want to fade them now. So it's funny. I, Clayton Toon, I feel like, has been in college for 20 years. So, you know, maybe the experience at quarterback there, if they can make a few plays and, you know, get the defense on the field and get Cincinnati off, you might find yourself in a game. Wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't an easy cover for Cincinnati, especially with the conference championship on the line. But... I'm on Cincinnati to win the game. Like, I, I don't think they're going to yeah. lose. We got one more before we get to Atlanta, and that is the one that has zero playoff implications. Pittsburgh is a three-point favorite against Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. The number is 71. Ari, take the freaking over. I will. 
No one is stopping anyone in this game. Are you betting on a pit game in conference championship weekend? Is that what I just detected? Are you freaking kidding me? I didn't even think about this. I didn't even think about this. It's, I'm not betting on pit. You're betting, betting on a game on the that consists of, the game. of pit. Those are the rules. It's not whether you bet on pit or against pit. You're betting on a game that pit is involved in, which means it's Ari. I, I watched Wake Forest okay. Army and I watched Wake Forest North Carolina. There is no way these okay. two teams are not going to score a billion points combined. The last time you were this convinced of an over was last year. And then you ended up having to do something really stupid because it didn't even come close. And I'm just telling you. Oh, yeah, it was Arkansas Ole Miss. Yeah. I remember. Conventional wisdom. Oh, God. Conventional and, and wisdom. And what was Arkansas Ole Miss this year, Ari? It was 53-52. You were a year late, bud. Um, <laughs> I think that that makes sense what you're saying. I just know Pitt's involved, so I am, for that reason, I am out. <laughs> I hate you. I just... You you have now ruined this game for me. I was excited <laughs> about this because I was going to have that second screen up, watching the Big Ten. Yeah, you can still team. enjoy I, it. Just don't put don't your know, money I, or your mouth on it. I don't really feel like I have to pay that close of attention to the Big Ten because there's going to be a lot of moving it around, moving the ball around between the 30s. Like this one is just shock and awe. I mean, honestly, this is one of the best conference championships of all time. Because there is a chance that Wake, a legitimate chance that Wake Forest could win this football game. Of course. And win the ACC. Wake Forest winning the ACC, Michigan winning the Big Ten, Cincinnati making the playoff, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State all missing the playoff all in the same year. And a defensive player winning the Heisman. Like This is what which, we're talking about right now. Extremely possible. Ari, I, I do want to ask, there's a little trivia question here. Wake Forest last won the ACC title 15 years ago, 2006, the Riley Skinner team. Do you remember what the final score of the ACC championship game was that year? There's no chance I could answer that question. Wake Forest beat Georgia Tech 9-6. to Bet the over, bud. This is going to be the opposite of that game. Yeah. I don't care that Pitt's involved. I'm going to be right, Damn. Okay. All right, well. I don't know if we can, if you want to make a bet right now, but I'm automatically taking the under. We can have, we'll use this as Twitter. We'll, we'll get Twitter. We'll, I'm okay, on well, the under. Well, all right. Yeah. Whoever, whoever can come up with the most creative punishment, we'll, we'll use it. If the under hits, I got to do something stupid. If the over hits, which it will, Ari has to do something stupid. And, and I will play the too legit to pit video. A million times. Even if Pitt lost. I don't I, care if Pitt wins or loses. I just need them both to score a lot of points. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Let's go to Atlanta, Ari. <laughs> let's go to freaking Atlanta. Georgia. Six and a half point favorite against the mighty Crimson Tide of Alabama. I'm on, hey, what did we both say at the beginning of the year? It's funny we're Georgia's in December now. National title. I'm not fading Georgia now. No, 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 no. No, I'm all over. I think Nick Saban has told me all I need to know about this game. Nick Saban has spent much of this season managing my expectations with regard to Alabama. Not 
anybody else, I'm not, I'm not drinking the haterade. I am just listening to what Nick Saban has been trying to tell me all season. When he's giddy after close wins against teams that they should blow out, I, I noticed that. When he's just completely over the moon after a four-overtime win against an Auburn team that was playing a backup quarterback who could not even walk by the end of the game, I'm listening to what he's saying. That's really and what he's I saying is they're not going to beat Georgia. Every single per- so I'm a uh, dude with a bunch of male friends who uh, participates in a gambling uh, group chat like everybody else my age, and every single friend of mine that's in that group chat has sent me a text in some way or the other this week saying I'm on Alabama money line, I'm on Alabama plus six and a half. I'm on Alabama, I'm on Alabama, I'm on Alabama. And I think that the natural uh, instinct for anybody who gambles or has gambled on on Alabama uh, over the course of the past 10 years is to, if you get six and a half points, I don't care who they're playing, I'm taking six and a half points because Bama getting six and a half points is undeniably impossible to, to pass up. And I'm telling you right now, they are going to lose by more than seven. I, I don't... See how this does. The only way this doesn't happen, and I, I, I think, you know, I, I played the clucking my tongue at the other Heisman voters card, and don't just randomly pick a court. I think, I think it's actually turning that way. I think Will Anderson probably now is the favorite to win the Heisman, and I'm glad. And he's had an amazing season. And I think even if he has like a two and a half, three sack game, I still think Georgia's going to cover. It's just a matter of whether or not you think that Alabama's defense is, I, is unlike anything I'm that Georgia's seen. I'm worried about Alabama scoring. Are you, and don't take this as me being judgmental, are I'm you judgmental. at all considered or considering being hesitant about Georgia because of Stetson Bennett, or are you all in on what he's capable of? No, I think he's fine. I, and, and he is the best quarterback that they have on their roster for the situation. He is... He is made that abundantly clear this year. He is not. Now look, quarterbacks get better over time. Mac Jones threw two pick sixes in his first Iron Bowl, which was his second start. He didn't make those mistakes again. He Mac Jones is an old Stetson walk-off. Bennett. Stetson Bennett was not good in his first game against Alabama. Was Stetson but Bennett they were a winning at halftime? He was a walk on. I can't get it. Guy. I can't get it out of my brain. Yeah, it, it drives you crazy because it, it, it destroys me your insane. theory. But no, it doesn't destroy my theory. It makes me wonder if playing against Alabama's defense, if part of that walk on blood is going to be coming out because it's easy to kick the crap out of some of the teams they've kicked the crap out of. And I know they've got a very good running game, but when Will Anderson is doing the Ari, water Clemson's boy standing over the compl- yeah, Ari, they were healthy. You're right. Completely healthy. How many offensive touchdowns did they score? Oh, that was zero, but they won the game. You just like totally made my point for me. Uh, they couldn't get a first down. This is this is not a good end of the show for me. <laughs> I, I've had a bad late show run. My performance is, is pitiful. I, listen, I've been I'm, screaming at you for am, 70 minutes, so I, I understand. I am terrible at arguing right now. I do terrible. Think, I do think, though, that Georgia will cover the seven. I am a little wary about Stetson Bennett on this stage. I will, I, will, I will make my argument, though, vis-a-vis the Clemson game. He's got a lot more weapons now than he had then. 
Yeah, and he's he's a season better. Like I, I Bro- you, Brock Bowers was in yeah. his first game. Darnell Washington wasn't playing. George Pickens may or may not play now, but they, he could possibly be available. Uh, Kyrus Jackson wasn't playing receiver. He was just returning kicks. So I think George's offense is in a much different and better place than the last time they played a team with this level of athlete on defense. Also, you want to hear how stupid we are? Stetson Bennett stupid. didn't play the Clemson game, so that's completely irrelevant. Oh, you're right. JT Daniels played that. <laughs> yes. What am I thinking? It's uh, 10 o'clock. Maybe they would have scored a bunch. Of, maybe yeah. they would have scored a bunch. I wonder how many, how long the Georgia fans have been yelling at their. Yeah, radios. I just it kind of I just it, it hit me that yeah, he didn't even yeah, play you're in right, that game because yeah. JT Daniels played that game. He had the oblique injury, and everybody thought it was going to be Carson Beck, but then Stetson Bennett started, and and that's how he sort of took it over. That's correct. Seth Emerson is going to kill us, by the way, for getting that wrong on the show. Hey, we're all over and, Georgia, though. You know, and hey, by the Ari, way, this is a podcast, by the way. We could just take that part out, but because we love you and we want you yeah. to know how stupid we really are, we're leaving it in. Yeah, nothing about this podcast has ever been about being right 100% of the time. That's no standard no. that anybody can meet. So, you know, being we, we wrong actually is being wrong is actually much better for the show, I would argue. And also, Admitting that you're wrong, I think, is uh, something that people can appreciate. So, I but the one thing I will say is, is we were right about our preseason prognostication of Georgia, and everybody Correct. at the time said, "Oh my God, they're just going to choke it off again." They haven't won a national title since 1980, and we were both just like, "Look at that defense! Look at the talent on that roster! This is the year!" And look at the path. They've made it through the path beautifully. Now they have to win the game that everybody had circled before the game started, and I'm very excited to see it happen. For their yeah, sake. JT Daniel, now I've got now it's got it in my head now. JT Daniels completed 73.3% of his passes already against Clemson. Now averaged 4.5 4. yards per attempt. They were not yeah. moving the ball through the air very much then. Uh they've gotten they they've gotten to be a much more explosive offense with Stetson Bennett running it. Is Jamison Williams playing for Alabama in the first half? He was ejected when, the first half of the uh, Iron Bowl, was okay. he? Okay. If it was the, the first, first half, half then so he's playing. He's, I just didn't know if he I was out. He's for, in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, oh man, if if he was suspended for the, that would be just because I think Alabama brutal. couldn't get a first down after he left the game. Yeah. So Anyway, that was absolutely brutal. But we've said all this, Ari, and, and we've also talked about how wrong we can be. Would you be stunned if it's just, just Alabama 34, Georgia 30? Or Alabama no. 24, Georgia 20? Nothing would stun me. That's the that's the problem. When you have the level of talent Alabama has on its roster, because go back. It, it, They've played games that, that give you tons of pause. But go back to the Ole Miss game. If they play the Ole Miss game, that, that level, if they're as good against Georgia as they were against Ole Miss, does Georgia win the game? Yeah, I mean, that's the entire Stars Matter thesis, in my opinion. It's not that every single team that has Stars is automatically great. It's that when you have the talent at that level – and you turn it on, there are no teams uh, in college football that can beat you. But the good news for Georgia is they also have the stars. So um, to me, I I don't know that I would be shocked if Alabama won the football game, 
but I think that it's pretty evident with all the information that we have right now that Georgia is a better football team this year. And I know it's a helmet game and everybody just is going to bet on Nick Saban and maybe he's earned that right. But in my opinion, and before the year, it's during the year. all over a Georgia cover. Georgia by a touchdown. Because I have, faith in their, I have faith in their defense, and I got done watching Alabama not being able to get a first down against Auburn. So, like... And, and, and I, like I said, we should believe what Alabama's been telling us. We should believe what Nick Saban's been telling us. I don't... I know there are some of you out there who think there's a conspiracy theory or, you know, that there's a conspiracy and that Georgia will just lay down so that, that the SEC can get two teams in the playoff. I can guarantee you that will not happen. For for Kirby Smart's psychological health, if they can beat Alabama by a million, they will. Like they they have to do. They have. This to isn't get just over this, this year. Hump. This isn't just this year. This is a hump that transcends the the narrative of the direction of the conference. This yep. is just a game. This is a huge game. This is this is for from a psychological standpoint very similar. To Michigan, Ohio State last week. Yeah, I mean, it'd be certainly as cathartic. And we'll see what happens. Ari has to go clean some prune juice now. And you have to go look at your ceiling fan as a going to bed knowing that you bet on Pitt again. Damn you. Please, please be kind to me, listeners, as you as you come up with a punishment for this. Please be kind. That's That's all I ask. We'll talk to you Saturday night. And we'll have a lot better idea, at least we think, who's going to make the playoff. Can't wait. We'll talk to you then.